0: thanks worship team. And I pray that it truly is well with your soul. Sometimes we sing songs and we really don't. As we're singing the songs, we realize that we're not really, it may not truly really be well with our soul or we may not believe even what we're singing. And so I pray that one of the acts of us coming in here as part of our worship is singing songs and we're we're being reminded of great truths from Scripture, but also of, of confessing, God, this is where we're at. And so I pray that if you're in a place and you're singing, it is well with my soul, and deep down in your soul you're saying, it is not well, that um, you would let us know. You would find somebody, and this is what community is about, is to say, it is not well. I want it to be well, but it is not well with my soul. So this morning we begin a series called The Vow, and so we're going to be looking at Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, and I know Some of you have probably been in church for a long time and have never heard a sermon out of Song of Solomon. And so we're going to dig in uh, for the next seven, eight weeks, okay, and looking at this. And so the imagery is one of the beginning of a relationship of someone in in high school or early college or whatever, and they're beginning this process of dating and thinking about dating, and and, uh, they start to see a boy or a girl, and they start to look good. Y'all remember those days when a boy or girl looks, doesn't have cooties anymore and they start to look good? So we're moving from that place till at the end of Song of Solomon, you see a couple that they're, they look like each other, they've been doing life so long together, they look like each other, they're holding hands and they're walking along the beach and they cannot imagine life without one another and what it means and ultimately this idea of, of out serving one another for uh, generations together. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Song of Solomon, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Not about you, but whenever I was growing up, I was told that you were supposed to have great pickup lines. You remember that? So whenever you get to walk to the school and you get have great pickup lines, or, are you all awake? Are you all with me? Okay, all right. Here we go. So great pickup lines. So I'm going to give you some of my favorites that are PG that we can talk about here in church, all right? So here's some of my favorite pickup lines. You must be a heck of a thief because you stole my heart from across the room. You go, hey, you guys need to be writing these things down right here. This is stuff. You heard that. All right. Are your parents bakers? Because they made you a cutie pie. I know some of them are pretty bad, pretty bad, but they work. Do you have a Band-Aid? Because I just scraped my knee falling for you. Yeah, well, here's my favorite. Where do I have to pay the ticket? Because you got fine written all over you, girl. (laughs) See, I told you guys you're going to want some of these. When I first saw you, I was looking for a signature, because there's always a signature on a masterpiece. See, how do you sign that? Was that... (laughs) <laughs> oh man there's something wrong with my cell phone because your number ain't in it and when god made you he was showing off oh yeah <laughs> write these down now you find me after church i'll give them to you a dollar a line okay <laughs> so we begin this journey together that's just the beginning and you know i mean at the beginning it's it's this scary thing i mean i've you were in junior high once, and you went to the junior high dance, and girls are on one side and guys were on the other side. And, and even if they came together as a date, they just kind of come, and they just split. And there's this fear and trepidation of what each other looked like. And, and somewhere I've, I've uh, been in the school hallways, and something about 7th grade, 7th grade hallway smells really, really bad. And then you get to 8th grade, and it smells really, really bad, but it smells a different bad, because 8th grade they found out cologne And so they're spraying themselves with cologne and think that they sometimes they're showering, sometimes they're not. And so you begin to see this movement where we begin to to see each other and begin to have eyes for one another. And so I want you to see and understand that God created us in a way that there is a need and it's natural for us to be attracted to one another. And so we will even see that in those verses here in just a moment. But this movement. And so here we are at the very beginning. And one of the things that I want us to grasp, especially as parents and grandparents, is to not push our children too quickly into pursuing relationships. Because too many times we push our children into pursuing relationships and finding someone or whatever to make them think like, hey, this is going to complete me. When in reality, another person, your spouse, even your future spouse, doesn't complete you. They're, They're a helpmate for you. The only one that can complete you is the person of Jesus Christ. And so for us as parents and grandparents is to encourage our children to, want to get to know themselves and who they are in Christ, and once they know who they are in Christ and they're confident in that, then they can begin to pursue someone else who's also confident in who they are in Christ, and together they can grow together to know Christ in a stronger relationship. And it's a, it's a pyramid scheme of coming to know Christ together. Because let's be honest, many of us in this room have made mistakes in our relationships and we pursued relationships in a way to fulfill our needs and provide what we need and that we're not confident in who we are in Christ. And so relationships can go seriously wrong when we do that. So let's look together at Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And I'm just going to read through it and then we'll come back and we'll make some points. Verse 1. This is Solomon's Song of Songs more wonderful than any other. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but you were English class and we had poetry. You had that, that section of poetry. And I think most of us, we kind of just checked out. You know what I mean? We saw poetry, we heard poetry, and we're like, oh, great. Hopefully I can pick up a good line that I can, roses are red, violets are blue. Hey, baby, you knocked me down. You know, all those kind of things. We're looking for that kind of stuff. But but poetry is not exciting. And listen, I want to encourage you. This is a book of poetry that will get you fired up about what it can look like to have a man and a woman in your life. Verse 2, kiss me and kiss me again. This is the young lady talking. She's got a little dream going on, all right? She's seen a guy and she's like, yeah, here we go. Kiss me and kiss me again. If your love is sweeter than wine. She's not Baptist. How, (laughs) sorry, how fragrant your cologne See, he's in eighth grade at least. Your name is like spreading fragrance. No wonder all the women, young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let's run together. The king has brought me into his bedroom. How happy we are for you, O king. We praise your love even more than wine. How right they are to adore you. I am dark but beautiful. O women of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Kedar, And this is like a black wool, okay? dark as the curtains of Solomon's tent. Don't stare at me because I'm dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyards, so I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. Tell me, my love, what are you, what are you leading your flocks today? Where will you rest your sheep at noon? For why should I wander like a prostitute among your friends and their flocks? If you don't know, a oh, most beautiful woman, follow the trail of my flock. And graze your goats by the shepherd's tents. Guys, that's what you need to do this week at school and at work. If you're looking for someone, hey, graze your flock of goats and find me. Got that? That's just your word for the day. Listen, the first thing I want you to see in this passage is that physical attraction is normal. Physical attraction is desirable. We have a little phrase in our house. I don't even know how it came up. I think it's probably on a youth trip or something. And uh, we have this phrase at our house. It's called, look, there goes a two-hander. Okay? So you're there, you're you're in the mall, or you're somewhere, school, or something like that, and we'll just say this is young ladies are sitting there, and all of a sudden this guy walks by, and all of them are in agreement. Whew. That guy's got it going on, right? Okay, that's natural. All right, at our house we're like, no, he doesn't just have it going on. He has got it. Whoo! He's got me flustered. That's a two-hander. Sometimes when there's a group of girls, group of girls together, it's a hurricane because they're all like, woo! You know. Physical attraction is good and natural. God created us with visual eyes so that we would see someone, see something, and be attracted to it. We have the mountains. You go to the mountains. Why? Because they're ugly? No, because you see the beauty and the majesty of God's creation. Whenever a, a woman walks by, that you have this natural affection. It's like, whoa, man, God, you did good. Now, here's the deal. For us to understand that there's this movement beyond attraction to lust. And so so especially for men as visual beings to say, hey, God, you did a great job. The physical attraction is there, but we need to stop there, okay? Because that's not my woman. That's someone else's. And so to say, God, you did a great job. I appreciate your work that you did there, and then we're going to move on. That's the difficult step for us as men. This is why we have this thing called the Internet, and what prevails on the Internet is because of we cannot move, we can't stop moving beyond just the understanding of attraction, but we've got to move further beyond that. God created the heavens and the earth and he created man and woman and he said it was good. He's not surprised that men and women get together and procreate. He was one that created that and said it was a good thing. Attraction uses all of our senses. Listen, if someone doesn't smell good to you, you're not going to be attracted to them. All right. If someone touches you and you don't like that touch, that touch is not going to be attracted to you. In those days of when Song of Solomon was being written, these guys didn't take baths a whole lot, and so they would use cologne to make themselves smell good. And so they would have this special oil and the first pressed oils. And the more expensive the oil, the better. The more expensive the cologne, the better. And so whenever a man walked by and a woman got a whiff of that, there was this natural attraction that happens, and it still happens today. So I think for us in the church, we have to... Admit the fact that God has created us in a way that when we see one another, that there's a natural inclination to attraction to one another, but then also to understand that we are not animals, that we're humans with souls, that we're created in the image of God, and to say, hey, listen, God did good. Let's stop there. Physical attraction is a good thing for us. Not only is physical attraction the first stage the second stage is character. If you look at chapter verse three and following, it talks about who are you anyway? Character does truly count. This is the thing that, that I talk about with my kids and I talk with teenagers for a long time is listen, they may be the best looking person in the world, and when you start to get to spend time with them, you need to know who they truly are. And so I even encourage when you're dating, you don't date alone. Because you don't know who they are, you don't know who their character is, and so you date whenever you begin to date and hang out, that you're just friends, and you're trying to figure out who this person is, and so you don't go to the park alone, you don't go to the movies alone. The worst place you can have a date is the movies, because at the movies, what's happening? What's happening? you know, there's no conversation happening. You're yawning. You're trying to, you got all this stuff racing. Harry and Henrietta the Hormone are, are going battling and they're doing all their different stuff. I said, yeah, Harry and Henrietta the Hormone. You can write that down too. They are moving and grooving and they're trying to figure all this stuff out. And See, if you don't know who you are in Christ and you're not confident in who you are and you think this person over here is going to completely complete you, then you're going to make some dumb decisions. Some dumb decisions. Who are you anyway? Your character counts. You see in verse 3 that she says your name is attractive to people. This woman was attracted to this man not only because he was physically attractive, but she was attracted to his character. That whenever someone said his name, that good things came to mind. When he walked into the room and they said, hey, that's Joe over there, that all the ladies said, man, (laughs) yeah, Joe, God did good with Joe. But you know what, Joe, and they begin to list off, man, he's kind, he's generous, he's faithful, he shows respect for authority he loves Jesus. And begin to list all those different things off that not only is he physically attractive, but the attractiveness of his character runs deeper. because Listen, skin, beauty is only skin deep, right? Character counts and it runs deep. And it's this idea, even character, the word here used in Song of Solomon is one that character has been chiseled into stone and it's been moved away and so that who you are is truly deep within inside of you and that when p- people see you and they begin to know you, you're an unchangeable force because of the character that's been built within inside of you. And so as you hang out with one another, young people, as you do friendships and you begin to think about this whole dating thing, I would encourage you to say, listen, we don't go dating one-on-one. We go in groups together. Because listen, whenever you're in groups, your friends get to know each other and they get to know these other people. And it's amazing to me, time after time after time, friends of people that are dating know that it's not going to work out before the couple does. Why? Because they are not in heat Their eyes are are not, they're not in love, okay? And so their friends are truly examining, they're looking and they're saying, listen, man, that guy is not who he says he is. Yes, I know he goes to church. Yes, I know he says that he believes in Jesus. But man, I'm seeing something completely opposite of that. The same thing for the women. And so that you gather together your friends, the people that you trust, and say, hey, let's go do X. Let's go hang out over here. Let's go to our parents' house. Let's go to the whatever. And we're going to do things together in a group because I want my friends to help me assess the character of who you are because I will not settle for less. See, when we understand that as children of God and that we're children of God that he has given us and he wants his best for us, we begin to not settle. Even if that means we have to wait. Even if that means we never marry. That I have friends. One of of Becky's uncles has never married. Why? Because God has never placed that person in front of him that he feels like is going to be the helpmate that he needs. And listen, he's made me with the most godly man I know. Does he want to marry? Yeah. He said, God hasn't opened up that door. So listen, as children of God, not settle. For something that's second best, look at the character of who that person is. Things that you need to be looking for, godly characteristics is one, are they a Christ follower? Time after time after time when I do marriage counseling and talk to people as I begin to think about marriage As I ask, are both of you followers of Jesus? And one typically a lot of times says yes and the other one says no. And my initial reaction is I will not do this wedding until both of you know Jesus Christ. Because what I know is from Scripture is that if two people are unequally yoked, then you are not going to be moving in the same direction. And that same direction that I understand and know is that you should be moving toward Jesus Christ. And so if one of you is a believer and one of you is not, then you're not going to be moving in the same direction. You're going to be moving in opposite directions. And so I even counsel people, if you have a tendency, if you're in a place where you're, one of you is going to a different denomination or a different faith background and you're thinking through this thing, that you guys need to have a serious discussion about what that looks like and what are the non-negotiables about your faith so you can decide on those things because you're going to be ha- potentially having kids and you'll be raising those kids and how you're going to be moving forward in your faith together. And I've seen it time after time after time that faith breaks apart because couples are moving in different directions do they know jesus are they following christ are they actively growing in their faith are they generous are they serving are they looking outside of themselves is it about themselves or are they looking to take care of other people and finally but probably not the least is are you praying for the person that you're going to be marrying are you pr- actively praying and saying, god i desire to have a soulmate That knows you and loves you and is going to be sacrificially caring for me just the way that they would for Jesus. Watch out for character. Students especially, I'm going to talk to you for just a moment. As you're kind of hanging out and thinking about this whole dating thing, here's some things, some characteristics, some ways that you can look for character in people. Number one is what do they act like whenever they're under stress? When life is pressing in around them and difficult things happen, what kind of comes out of them? Because think about it like this, that we're all sponges. And if we're all sponges, those things that we take in whenever we're pressed, whenever we squeeze, the stuff comes out. So whatever we're taking in is going to come out when we're underneath stress. All right? And so students, the people that you're hanging out with, as you're in a group situation and you're in life situations, all of a sudden life's going to happen, it's going to begin to squeeze on them, and it's going to, ooh, what's going to ooze out? And if... Junk oozes out, then that's what they're taking in. You gonna go up? No, not interested. I'm not interested in a man, or I'm not interested in a woman that they're soaking in things that are not of God. Now, not perfect, but of God. What's their reputation? But it says in the scripture here that the virgins will love you, that that means the ladies in the community, the people in the community, when they said, hey, that's Joe, that they think about his name and the characteristics of a godly young man come out. And so they know this young man and they're excited about who this young man, not only is he physically attractive, but his character is attractive as well. Would I be honored to be asked out by this person? If someone comes up to you and says, hey, I want to go out with you, would you be honored because of the character of who you are? Not just their beauty, but who their character is. Or do they have a reputation other than what you would want? Would I take this person home to my mama? Would I take this person home to my mama and be proud about that? Begin to understand the character, who they are. And then finally, do they have a respect for authority? This young lady went out and worked in the fields. And this this day she was under her brother's care. And so she could have easily said, no, I'm not going to go out in the fields. Because she understood that when she went out into the fields, she was going to get dark. And in those days, whenever you were dark, you were someone who was poor. Okay, That meant that you had to go out and work, you had to go out and labor, you were underneath the sun, and so you weren't able to take care of yourself. Those that were wealthy, those that were able to have a leisurely lifestyle, were the ones that were inside, and they were lighter. And so she was saying to this, listen, I'm dark, but I respected the authorities of my brother, even though I know it might cost me the man that I think I want. Listen, if you're dating someone or thinking about dating someone and they don't respect the authority of their parents, they don't respect the authority of their grandparents or their teachers, run away from them. Because that says that they don't respect the authority of Jesus Christ. That means that they don't respect the authority of those over them. And for the entire lives, they're going to be running from job to job. They're going to be running from relationship to relationship because they don't understand that God's a God of order and that there is a sense of authority. And under that authority, we need to submit in those moments. It's going to be a lifetime of hurt and pain, under stress, respect and authority and reputation. The third thing that I want you to see is that she wasn't desperately seeking anyone. She's out and about in the fields and she says, listen, where are you going to be at today? I want to have lunch with you. You ever have those moments you say, hey, I want to go have a date, kind of an... an Uh, Informal time of hey, let's get together. Let's go to the park and have a date She goes listen. I don't want to be looking around for you I want to know exactly where our time is limited. I want to maximize our time together Let's go to the park and he said hey listen come this is where i'll be here's my number She said listen, i'm not desperately seeking anyone i'm seeking someone That looks like you and has the character of you when we get in these moments of desperation Sometimes we settle for less Desperation leads to destruction Listen, if you're 12, 13, 14, 15, there's no reason to be desperate. There is no reason to be desperate. You've got a long time to make decisions. You want to go to college, you have a career, you want to do all these different things. If you're desperate now, you're going to make some bad decisions, destructive decisions in your life. Clues that you're desperate, you're compromising, are you willing to compromise your beliefs and your morals? Another clue that you're desperate is that you're willing to give up on your own dreams and plans because it doesn't fit someone else's. Listen, this is one of the things I talk about with my kids all the time. I'm like, if you got a boyfriend or girlfriend in high school or in college and their dreams don't match your dreams, you need to sit down and have a serious conversation with them and say, listen, I plan on doing this and being this, and this is what I believe God's laid in my heart, and if this isn't line up with yours, then that's a telltale sign that we are not meant to be together. They may be great, they may be attractive, they may have great character, they may be a godly person, but if their dreams, their God dreams don't line up with your God dreams, walk away. It'll save you tons of hurt and pain. Your value and worth comes from them. It's it's a clue that you're desperate. If your value and worth comes from having that boyfriend or girlfriend, again, they're not your completer, they're going to be a helpmate later on. You view yourself as damaged goods that you settle for someone else because maybe you've made a mistake in your past. Listen, God's a God of grace and God of forgiveness. Put your past in your past. Remember that, hey, I've made some mistakes. Learn from that. And listen, you're not damaged goods. You're made whole in Christ. You have a new future. Quit making bad decisions, awful lies. You're pretending to be someone that you're not, that you wear a mask so that you can be cool, you can be whatever you want to be with this person, but as soon as you're away from that person, you take off the mask and set it down and you're yourself. If you cannot be who you truly are with this person, walk away. It's not worth it. You're with someone who's not pursuing or leading you to Jesus Christ. Again, it takes time to get to know these people. If they're not leading you and helping you pursue Jesus, walk away. That's the number one criteria for us as followers of Jesus is to know, does my spouse love Jesus and are they pursuing them? Desperate people do not usually make good decisions they make dumb ones. Proverbs chapter 5 gives a graphic description of what it means for a man to be walking out of the house and he's distracted and he sees things that are pleasing to the eye and he pursues them and the pain and the hurt that comes from that. Proverbs 23.3, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple, the fool keeps going and pays the penalty. Listen, if any of these things that I just mentioned that are desperate, out of desperation and they begin to ring off in your head, red flags begin to go off, sirens go off, then you need to step back and say, am I in a relationship with someone that I don't need to be in a relationship with? And take account of that. You know that you're ready to begin dating. You know that you're ready when you begin dating, when you know that the man and woman that you want to marry looks like has the character that you want and you're not willing to settle for something less. You know that you're ready when you know that you are who you are in Christ. You're confident in your identity in Christ. And you begin to not be desperate, but you're looking and you're praying. and You're saying, listen, God, you've got dreams for me. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. And God just happens to just kind of drop somebody in your lap. And you're like, whoa, this person, I like this person. They're physically attracted. I love what this person's about. I love their character. I love everything about them. And you know what? As we sit down and we get to know one another, their dreams kind of line up with my dreams and we're kind of moving in this direction. When When you're ready, those are the type of things that happen. When you're ready when you're willing to be single rather than to make a bad choice in a marriage partner or a dating partner. You're ready when you're willing to become the person that your ideal mate is praying for. In other words, you're looking around and you're looking for someone and you're like, man, I need someone in my life. I'm, I'm ready for this. Listen, when you're ready to stop looking around and trying to find someone to complete you, but you're ready to stop and say, listen, God, I need to draw the circle right here around me. I need to become the person in Christ that I need to be. I need to understand who I am in Christ and my identity is in him and what that looks like and work on me. God, would you chisel here? Because, God, I want some abs. Would you just chisel some abs, right? Just chisel some, listen, chisel in the character of God that you want me to be so that when that guy or that girl comes along, they go, wow, God, you did good. And you've been doing the hard character work that it takes. That, listen, that you're the same person when no one is looking than when everybody is looking. And that only happens when you draw the circle around yourself and say, listen, I'm not going to settle for second best. I am a child of God. I am worthy of 1st I'm not a leftover. I'm not a run over. I'm not a whatever it is, the lies that you've been buying. You are a beautiful, unique, peace, masterpiece. And there is a signature by your name. God, stop settling. Do you hear me? Stop settling for second best. If they do not know Jesus, set them aside. There is no such thing as missionary dating. Okay? Listen, if you, are, if you are a follower of Christ, you are here, and someone that's not a follower of Christ is down here, the only thing that they can do is they're going to pull you down. It's virtually impossible for you to pull that person up. Quit believing that you are the one that's going to be different than everyone else. See the danger ahead and know that you are going to fall and mess up and then you're going to have these regrets and this shame and the great deceiver and the great liar is going to tell you, hey, you are unworthy. See, I told you that you're unworthy. So many people in this room can say they've walked that. Listen to the truths. Develop the character that God has for you. Quit settling. You're ready when you do not have to compromise your relationship with God. This morning, if you're single, several of you, quite a few of you are, evaluate where you're at. Are you becoming the person that you need to be for your future mate? Are you doing the hard character work that it takes? Are you in desperation mode? Pull back and take an assessment. Where am I at? What's God doing to me? Do you need to dump that person that you're with, students, young adults, older adults, someone that you're with and they're not pushing you and leading you toward Jesus Christ. Today, when you go home, don't text them. Call them. Say, listen, I can't be in a relationship with you. And that's going to be hard. But you need to do it. Married, how are you doing? Are you becoming the mate that your mate needs? Are you still growing and pushing and, and developing that together? Are you spending time and together and growing in a relationship? Are you growing together and pushing each other toward Jesus? Are you still enamored with that person? Some days you wake up and you in bed and you look next to you and you go, "Huh?" I don't know that that's what I dreamed about. And they're looking back at you going, huh, I'm pretty sure I didn't dream about that. (laughs) Cultivate that. It's so easy for us to forget that we used to chase one another, that the smell of that cologne, they would walk by and you'd be like, oh, baby. You know, that that you would just, what that, that attraction was, that maybe there's those moments where you need to date one another. Again, one of the things when I talk with couples, the first thing I ask them is, When's the last time you've been on a date? And they all look at each other and they're like, mm, I don't remember. And I'm like, go date. Continue to date. Continue to cultivate that fire, the relationship that you have together. Because listen, it's natural for us, for our eyes, to wander and to look. Physical attraction is natural. If we don't cultivate that in our marriage relationship, there's a tendency, a human nature tendency to begin to look outside, understand who we are, understand how God made us, and cultivate that physical attraction because the character attraction as well. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you have created the heavens and earth and created man and woman. And we do agree, you did a great job. We thank you that you've given men and women to one another as helpmates, as helpers. Father, we just pray here for young people, for young adults, for even older adults that are in a process of looking and and moving forward in relationships. Father, they would just stop and take assessment of where they're at. And asking the question of the character and identity is found in Jesus Christ. To draw a circle around themselves and begin to say, I want to be what my future mate desires. Even more important than physical attraction, but Father, the character that my future husband and future wife would want. Father, that means making difficult decisions. Saying no more than saying yes, probably. Choosing our different friends. So, Father, I just pray that if there's anyone even in this room that's maybe in a relationship and they even know as they're sitting here, they're like, God, I've got to take assessment of this and it's not God honoring. The Lord, that you would give them the courage to step away. Father, that you will honor that. And that they won't be alone. They won't be incomplete. Father, they will have an opportunity to to know you and to grow in you and to find their identity in you. For Father, I know that's the desire of these young people and those in this room that are seeking you and also seeking someone to do life with. Father, may you be brought honor through that. For It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.